I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Christian Demeff, an emergency physician and clinical informatist at the University of California, San Diego. Christian is also an ethical hacker and a security researcher interested in the intersection of healthcare, patient safety, and cybersecurity. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much for this opportunity. So, Christian, We've seen a number of examples where a hospital is hit with ransomware, and other hospitals in a region are forced to pick up the slack in terms of ambulances being diverted, et cetera. Based on what we've seen from ransomware incidents such as the one in 2021 on Scripps Health to a recent attack in Brooklyn on One Brooklyn, what stands out to you in terms of the impact of ransomware attacks on the region? I think that this is just such an interesting and terrifying consequence of the evolution of cyber attacks in healthcare. Remembering back five, six, seven years, ransomware was mindless malware. It wasn't intended or targeted specifically at hospitals, probably the best example being Hollywood Presbyterian in 2017 followed then by WannaCry, which also did not intend to hit the National Health Service and cause so much disruption. But with the evolution of the business model of these cyber criminals, we're seeing them target healthcare facilities because they can extract quite a large sum of money from them and extort them. And they also target organizations that are able to pay. This has been uh, increasingly successful for them. So what we've seen is an increase in the target, targeting of healthcare, and then a commensurate increase in the sophistication of their attacks. So that ransomware now is not lasting a few days, it's now lasting weeks. When that happens, we're now seeing the effects of that in a region. It's well known that hospitals exist in an ecosystem. You don't build 10 hospitals in a small town, there's not enough patients. And so the strategic placement of hospitals, what services they offer, if they're a trauma center, if they're a stroke center, if they're a heart attack receiving center, all those things are taken into consideration uh, when they figure out the strategy of where to put hospitals. But with that, it was a driver for efficiency. But then we have this, well, what if there's a critical failure? And cybersecurity ransomware attacks have really tested that. What I see is that this type of trend will only continue and that the interdependency of these organizations really should argue for a cooperation between them to address cyber attacks in real time, you know, help the other hospitals out uh, if they're under attack, take care of those patients, but then also to prepare for attacks together. So I'm a big advocate of regionalizing preparations for this to understand better what your particular area's weaknesses and vulnerabilities are to tabletop and game out what would happen if this hospital went down or this hospital went down, to prearrange agreements between hospitals uh, so they're not trying to hash us out in real time. It really speaks to the need for us to recognize that we're all in the same cyber boat, if you will. There shouldn't really be a competitive advantage between hospitals on cyber uh, because what happens at one affects us all. So with that said, when a major hospital or health system is hit with ransomware, 
or another type of disabling cyber incident, what should the other area hospitals be prepared to do in response, even if they are not directly affected by the actual cyber incident? For instance, they should have alternative incident response plans perhaps ready to go, not just for their own organization, but if the, another neighboring facility has a cyber incident, what should they be doing? They need to prepare for that scenario and not just use the mass casualty playbook this, to see that's the mistake as an organization saying this is the same as a bunch of patients coming in at once for a mass casualty. That's not the case because the cyber attacks themselves, these ransomware attacks, have nuances. One of the consequences of a ransomware attack is that the information, the actual patient data in their records that's contained within the electronic health record may become unavailable for sharing. Hospitals share that information. You go to hospital A, you get care, you get a CT scan, you get an x-ray, you get labs, then you end up going to hospital B. There are usually mechanisms to share that information that help us better take care of patients. I know what medications you're on. If you can't tell me because you're comatose, I can still get that information. The large influx of patients resulting from a ransomware attack, there's a really good chance we'll know nothing about them. We won't know what surgeries they had the day before. We won't know what medications they have. And so you can't just use your stock playbook. You really need to develop a specific plan on how your hospital is going to respond to a ransomware attack at another that takes into consideration some of these nuances. So yes, they need to have preparation, thoughtful, interdisciplinary planning for this. The other thing they need to do is have prearranged agreements with the region on where are the pain points going to be and how are we going to load balance for those. So I'll just give an example. If your hospital takes care of a lot of uh, kidney failure patients that have dialysis needs, for example, their dialysis needs don't stop because the hospital got ransomed. They're going to have to get dialyzed you know, two, three times a week still. If you cannot provide dialysis for them, you should have a plan and how those patients are still getting a dialysis at another institution, figuring that out, hashing out the legality of that and the agreements of that in the middle of a ransomware attack is an untenable position. So identifying what critical patients, populations you see, which ones are going to need to get care regardless of your system's ability to do it with the ransomware attack, and then figuring out a plan B, a plan C, a plan D with the region, getting that going is really important. The last thing I'll mention is that communication is, is really key. Um, isn't, uh, it is very well known that hospital systems don't want to talk about ransomware attacks or any types of cyber incidents when it happens to them for fear you know, significant regulatory pressures, fines, class action lawsuits, loss of brand and monetary concerns. It's all, it's a very difficult position to be in. However, there needs to be ways to communicate that type of information to your regional partners, perhaps with prearranged agreements where there's uh, confidence asserted in this position. Uh, you can have NDAs, whatever it needs to be, so that when you get hit, you can tell everyone else and have free information sharing that you're not holding back so that they can act uh, in their own systems to protect themselves from the adversaries. That's my nightmare scenario, a large city gets hit with ransomware, but at multiple different healthcare organizations so that the capacity of the entire region goes down drastically. What we really need to be doing is information sharing on a regional level, being able to talk to one another and help one another, recognizing, again, we're all in the same cyber boat. There should be no real competitive advantage in that. It's really what happens at your facility will affect my facility, and we need to work together. 
Any other observations that you have about the effect of a ransomware incident on our region when it comes to a major institution that's hit and when it comes from the cyber threat sharing, you, know, you were talking earlier about the information sharing, how much cyber threat or cyber, you know, some of the indicators of uh, compromise, you know, the, any of the other information that might be helpful to another institution when it comes to the actual event itself, not so much the response, but the event, how much of that do you see being shared and how much should be shared? You know, I don't think we have data on this. Anecdotally, I think very little. And that still speaks to previously what I mentioned is no one wants to talk about this. I'm not sure how much of it happens uh, kind of in the background between individuals. Like this is the type of ransomware we particularly got impacted with. Look at your own network for these, these evidence of compromise, IOCs. Or what at the end of the day we need to do is, is allow for that free flow of information to happen quickly. Um, that's the number one thing when it comes to the particular instances. But I will say this, um, it's hard to do so. If you're responding to an incident, you're in the middle of dealing with stopping the spread of, of this ransomware attack, bringing up systems, um, it can be hard to divert bandwidth and resources to information sharing. So the easier we can make it, the better. There are organizations that allow for that information sharing, the HISAC being probably uh, the most well-known. Um, I have personally not seen that be a good vehicle for real-time information sharing between regions. It's more of like the entire sector is going to discuss these threats. They happen to come out after certain things have happened. Sometimes we'll get the heads up. If uh, CISA or some other government agency has seen particular threats evolving, we'll get that through HISAC. But it really, I think, suggests that we need something smaller than HISAC at the regional level that allows better information sharing, or that HISAC should build mechanisms in place to do that, to allow for a more compartmentalized uh, conversation between regions. And has there been one lesson that you think hospitals need to learn from some of the major ransomware and other cyber attacks that we've been seeing in recent months and years, a lesson that they should apply ASAP? If your emergency management department is not regularly meeting with your cybersecurity team, that's a email Monday morning, get that going. Those types of, that, those relationships between emergency management, which is tasked with uh, responding to disasters and building those resiliency plans, is so important to, to talk with cybersecurity, to develop those ransomware-specific plans. So I'm going to say, right now, if your teams aren't talking to one another, that's a ASAP, get them together, form that interdisciplinary group tasked with we're going to write a ransomware-specific recovery plan that is distinct from the technical incident response plan and also distinct from emergency management's general technological failure plans. It really needs to be specialized. We're talking about intelligent adversaries that can change tactics midstream. They can hide. You can think they're gone. They'll come right back and re-ransom you. These are not the response of which is not just simply using a dust off the old technological failure disaster plan, you really need something specialized there. So that's my real big recommendation, is that if your emergency managers are not talking to your security teams to develop that, uh, you're missing an opportunity to reduce your downtime from six weeks to one week to two weeks and really restore patient care much quicker. And one final question, Christian. Any predictions for 2023 in terms of evolving cybersecurity trends for healthcare? It's hard to predict what's going to happen given just 
all the craziness that's happened in the last few years with the pandemic, with the evolution of ransomware, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I anticipate we'll see some new threat actors in this space, some new uh, ransomware organizations coming to the forefront. Um, I think, I hope we will see a more unified approach internationally at taking down some of these larger networks as they've been doing so previously, but I think we'll probably see an uptick in the amount of ransomware that we have in hospitals as opposed to a, a downtrend. I, I really don't see that changing because the economics really haven't changed much, with the exception being perhaps if the cryptocurrency markets uh, continue to be in flux to which the mechanism to which we pay these ransoms changes significantly or the economics change, um, that, that's kind of the unknown at this space. You know, If, if it doesn't become a payday at the end, uh, I think we'll see less and less involvement in there. But who knows what will happen uh, in that market coming up in the next year. Well, thank you, Christian. I've been speaking with Christian Demeff. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.